First of all, hallelujah! It is, it's fourth and 26. McNabb is back. He's looking. He is firing. And it is caught by Freddie Mitchell. And Bazarchik fumbles the football. It's picked up by Herman Edwards. 15, 10, 10, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sundays for the Birds. You know, it worked out pretty good last episode when I did this, so I'll do it again. Once again, we do not own the rights to For Those About the Rock Instrumental by ACDC, owned by Warner Brothers. Thank you, Warner Brothers, for not giving us another strike on Facebook last week. We greatly appreciate it. I am the mayor of John Street, here to steer the ship alongside my buddy, my boy, my motherfucking homie, Kyle. Not so sharp. Oh. All right, let's get right into it. Let's start out with something a little bit lighthearted, something that the entire Delaware Valley is talking about. And that is Debo Samuel still running his fucking mouth. You lost, bud. It's over. Now, Kyle, I don't know if you've heard anything about this yet, but uh, I, I got a quote here. So Zach Gelb of CBS Sports Radio had an opportunity uh, to interview Debo Samuel okay. this week on his radio program. And Zach Gelb asked, let's see here, I have it pulled up. So basically, Gelb had asked about, you know, the uh, the matchup coming up this season with the Eagles and the 49ers. Because obviously, Debo Samuel had said some things about how if Purdy was healthy, they would have won by double digits, which I still think is complete bullshit. Right. Would have been a closer game, but yeah. I don't think the 49ers are winning by double digits. Nah, nah. not in South Philly, not at the link. You kidding me? Definitely not double digits. I mean, it's competitive for sure, I think, but not nobody's winning by double digits, I don't think. Absolutely. Um, so Debo was quoted here as saying, I mean, I said what I said. I don't know. Just wait until week 13, 12, whatever week it is, and we'll show you. Now, after that, Debo got pissed off because Gelb asked a question. Well, you know what? If you don't want the guy asking a question, don't run your mouth. Don't say something stupid, right? So he got pissed off. He handed the phone to some uh, assistant or, or PR person from the 49ers, yelled at her to, quote, come handle this. And um, so she then picked up the phone and said, okay, we're done here. You know, we got to get the, the, you know, we got to get the training or whatever the hell they had to do. Um, just more bullshit. 
I mean, like I said, just quit running your mouth, man. I mean, everybody can make excuses all day long. Um, you know, I, I hate to agree with them here, but I guess we're going to get to see in, uh, you know, when we play them later this season. Uh, we'll, we'll get to see for sure. So initially, I, Zach Gelb, I was thinking he was a basketball guy and the name sounded familiar, but I pulled up a picture here. It's the wrong guy I'm thinking of. So I, I didn't see this. I don't know the parameters of it. I don't know. You know, sometimes in media, people like to fish for stuff and kind of get the players agitated. I, I don't know what the parameters of it was, but I mean, like, of course he's going to talk about it. Like, he's salty. Like, it, it is what it is, right? Like, if you if we were on the other side of it, I don't know that it'd be this bad, but, like, it'd be the same thing. Like, because like, it's nothing that it was out of his control, you know? So it's probably eating at him, and you hear people talking and chirping. So it's like, I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? And he's a competitor, right? If, if you if that was A.J. Brown, you'd like him to have that same fire, right? Oh, we would have smacked you. Oh, wait till we play you, right? So it's like, I don't take it as, like, a, a smack in the face or anything. I, I, know, like, no, I, like I, I don't want my spirit. guys. I don't want my guys out there making excuses. You know, you don't see you don't see Jalen going up to the podium after the game and saying, oh, well, we could have, you know, if we were this and that, we could have beat you by double digits. The most he'll say is he'll come to the podium and say, hey, we left some stuff on the table. We're going to watch yeah. the tape. We're going to come back next week or we're going to come back next game. We're going to come back the next chance we get. And, and you know, as he always says, that the standard is the standard and it's always rising. Um Obviously not what Debo Samuel was saying. I mean, so I, I think there's a way to do it, right? There's a way to say like, hey, dude, come on. We were handicapped and hey, I can't wait to see you again without it coming across as whining and making excuses, right? Like, like there's a way to do it. I don't think Debo's presenting it the right way, but I get where he's coming from, right? I just, again, it's sometimes it's, it's not always the message. It's how you present the message to the people. No, I get it. It's just... I don't know. Like it, it's not like it's not like Brock Purdy hurt himself, you know, carrying his bag or or pulled a muscle or, or something like that. Like we knocked his ass out of the game. Their offensive line did a piss poor job protecting him. We got to him. We knocked him out of the game. We did the same thing to Josh Johnson. Knocked him out of the fucking league. And he'll pop up somewhere. That motherfucker always pops up somewhere. I'm sure he will. He'll be on somebody's practice squad somewhere, so and then there'll out be of the quarterback league. injuries, and then he'll show up again. He was out of the league for six years and then came back in. Like, nobody does that shit, or five years, or whatever it was. Like, that shit is just but whatever. That's another subject. Yeah, it's just – but e either way, I mean, like I said, it's not like you came into the game with your quarterback hurt. Your quarterback got hurt in the game. And, you know, I hate to say this, but the Eagles dealt with a pretty similar situation a few years ago when Carson Wentz got – took out by that cheap, dirty shot by Jadavion Clowney. And, and, yeah, you know, we all complained that it was a dirty hit because it was a dirty hit. But the hit on Purdy was, one, clean, was, two, completely legal. And, you know, so obviously Wentz got taken out of the game. Then Josh McCown comes in, third-degree tear of the hamstring off the bone. Nobody was sitting there saying, oh, if our quarterbacks were healthy, we would have kicked Seattle's ass. No, we said it's it sucks that both guys went down, but what are you going to do? So, and we're certainly not talking about it six, eight months later. Now, let, let me ask you this. So, so, you brought up Carson Wentz injury. And I don't want to say I'm, I was rooting for an injury or I'm happy that he got injured, right? right? Like, that's a super shitty thing to say. But how fortunate did that turn out for the Eagles, right? Like, 
my guy, Big Dick Nick, right? That's what we call. That's what we're gonna call him on this podcast, Big Dick Nick. He came in. They won a Super Bowl. Different season. What are you talking about? Aren't you talking about 2017? No. I'm talking about 2019 when we got in a wild card. Oh, that's right. Because Carson Wentz, it was his ACL in 2017. ACL in 2017, back injury 2018, concussion 2019. All right. So I, I was. I'm talking about the concussion in a playoff game from Jadavion Clown. Okay. Okay. I'm with you now. That's my bad. I was going to go on a whole other tangent and it was going to be completely wrong. So good thing you caught me right there. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, like I said, nobody was running around saying, you know, this and that. Like, it, it was what it was, and it ain't what it ain't. And, you know, I'd like to say the same thing to Debo Samuel. You know what? Put up or shut up, but we'll see you in South Philly. Yep. So, I don't know if you got anything else on that, but. Nah, not really. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? Like, If you guys watching got anything to say, feel free to dive in the comments down below. Um, let us know what you're thinking about Debo and, you know, him still running his mouth here. Um, but now the real reason we came out tonight. And it's a little early for this segment, but there's no better time. Football's coming hold up, up. Hold up. I, I got to cut you off right there because I feel like you just insulted me to the core. It is never too early to talk of gambling or gambling football picks. As soon as they were out, it was enough. To, it was ready in all time. All right. So I just got to correct you right there real quick. Absolutely. So now's the time to bring back everybody's favorite segment yes sir not so sharp picks of the week here comes the money here we go money talk here comes the money now you guys all know i'm a nickel and dime gambler so i wasn't raining dollars there i wasn't making it rain your boy's making it hail out here on FanDuel, but it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't time to talk some MVP odds early on this season. We got FanDuel pulled up. We're ready to rock. We're ready to talk about it. We're going to go. We're going to give two MVP picks a piece. Each of us are going to go towards the upper echelon, you know, kind of give a guy that's more on the favorite end of the spectrum. And we're going to give somebody that's uh, what we deem to be a pretty good value pick. And uh, Kyle, I'd be remiss if I didn't go to you first. <laughs> My man. So, I'm going to start with my value pick, right? Um, and that'll be Trevor Lawrence at plus 1,600. So for, for me, he's got everything going for him, right? Like he, he's got Doug Peterson. We saw him take the step in year two with him. Um, I expect him to be a lot more pass-oriented this year. They added Calvin Ridley, who's one of the purest route runners in the league. Um, before he took a little two-year hiatus from the league, he was really blossoming into an elite receiver. So he's back. And it just kind of feels like similar to Josh Allen, where he got digs in his third year and he took that leap. I feel the same way about Trevor Lawrence, right? In this third year, I feel like he's going to take his leap and look, we're, we're going to call it the MVP award, but we all know it's the best quarterback award, right? Like that's what it is. So just by eliminating that, I'm looking at all 32 quarterbacks. I feel like Lawrence at plus 1600 is a great value and he's for sure going to be one of my picks for MVP. I think that's a great value pick. Um, since we're starting with value picks, I got somebody who's also tied with Trevor Lawrence at 1600 Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to have a renewed enthusiasm. I think he's going to come out swinging with the Jets this year. Okay. He's in the driver's seat, it seems, in New York. 
He's got his boy Alan Lazard with him. That Jets defense we saw last year was starting to come into its own. I think he's going to have an opportunity to play with the ball a lot. And um, we've already seen what that arm can do, right? Multiple MVPs, Super Bowl winner. I think for him to be at plus 1,600, even in his old age, even though it's his first year on a new team, I think that's still too low. I think plus 1,600 is absolute great value for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a good pick. And I'm going to pivot, and I'm going to give you my other pick, and that's going to be Jalen Hurts at plus 1,200. So no bias. I know this is an Eagles podcast. But the, the value, like, this isn't my value pick per se, but the value here is still incredible to me, right? Like, it was him and Patrick Mahomes neck and neck till he got hurt. Maybe, you know, I think it should have been Hurts, but a lot of people still have Mahomes leading. But whatever, throw that outside. How is he favored behind Justin Herbert now, right? Like, he's still got the same weapons. It, he shouldn't be worse odds than Justin Herbert. So 12, plus 1,200, still a top five option. I think he's great, right? Like, I, I talked about it on the last pod. I think he's going to break his uh, record for touchdowns. I think he's going to break his record for passing yards, right? Like, I got, I got him setting all career highs across the board. I really think he's going to have to throw the ball more this year. I think they're going to be in higher scoring games. And so if his if his numbers go up and he was in the MVP conversation last year, he should again be in the MVP conversation this year. Absolutely. And we talked about this before. I mean, he's going to be looking at a, a career high in yards this year. Um, I think he's got a chance to come after Nick Foles for – um, all-time passer rating for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think this is going to be an overall great season for him. Another year in this offense, another year with these weapons, more familiar yep. with Devontae and A.J. Uh, you know, you hope Goddard's healthy a whole year. And while I don't think any of our running backs are particularly better than Miles Sanders, I think overall we have a deeper, more well-rounded backfield to help him out in the run game, uh, maybe take some of those carries off his shoulders. Uh, that's a great pick. Uh, and for the sake of making things different and for the sake of not appearing to be the Jalen guy that I am, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Okay. I think he's poised for a big season there in the AFC North. I think he's going to have a similar path that you saw Tom Brady have all those years in new England. I think it's the Bengals division to lose. Uh, I think he's going to have an opportunity to play some some less than spectacular teams. The Steelers' defense is great, but they're not what they once were, and I, I don't necessarily believe in the quarterback yet either. Um, the Ravens, there's obviously still some question marks there. We don't really know what they are, and Cleveland, we still haven't seen we still haven't seen anything from Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Yeah, two hundred fifty million dollars guarantee looks pretty rough for two hundred fifty million. Yeah, Oof. and at plus seven hundred, I think that's still really good value for Joe Burrow especially, like I said, in, in a weakening division. Uh, so I think that's another uh, another great pick there for MVP. Yeah, like I, we talked about Jalen Hurts' props, how you think he's going to set new career highs. I, I would be taking that bet too, but I can't risk a season-long bet where a guy has to stay healthy, where the odds are going to be like kind of even money, right? If I'm going to place a season-long bet, I'm going to make sure it's at plus money to where if, I, if I'm taking Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence at $100 each, that's two hundred dollars. If one of them wins, I'm still walking away with you know a thousand bucks. Where it's like if I'm taking the season passing profits, like all right, like I'll double my money, like I'll win eighty bucks on a hundred dollar bet. But like it's just not worth risking where injuries are such a big part of the game. And I, I want to circle back to something you brought up the run game, how it's a little bit deeper. 
I saw this thing the other day where they said that, or somebody said, I don't know, I saw it on Twitter. I don't spend too much time online, but I just was scrolling and I saw a thing where somebody said that they plan on having DeAndre Swift be used more in the passing game than he was in previous years in Detroit. Are you buying that? I like the idea. We mentioned it before uh, that we want to see the running backs get involved in the screen game a little bit more. It's something we're certainly used to seeing here in Philadelphia, and I, I, I would love to see – I would love to see some some nice swing routes, maybe some wheel routes out of the backfield, but especially that why especially that running back screen out of the backfield, mm-hmm. it's so dangerous to stop, especially against a fairly aggressive defensive front. If these guys are really pinning their ears back and getting after you, there's no way to get them second guessing themselves than to start throwing some some screens at them. All right, so let me ask you this. If I gave you an under, over, over, under, whatever you want to call it, at 51 and a half catches for DeAndre Swift, what are you taking? I'm going under. That's still a lot of catch. That's still a lot of receptions for a running back who's, mm-hmm. especially a running back that's going to be a part of a committee. Running back. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think I saw he had 40. I don't quote me on this. this is just off the top. I think I saw he had 47 catches last year. And they're saying they're planning on using him more. So, I mean, to me, like, you know what I'm saying? So, that's like, that's over three catches a game. Or, no, three is catches it, a game. Is it using 17. him more or is it using him more effectively? Oh, see, that's tough for me. And I, I feel like you kind of didn't answer my question because you said, oh, yeah, we talked about that. I'd like to see him involved in the passing game more. But you didn't tell me, do you buy, like, do you believe that he'll be used more in the passing game? Or are you just kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying? See, I don't know what to expect from this offense because there's so many great weapons everywhere on the field. And if you're going to ask me, would I rather DeAndre Swift have the ball in his hands or would I rather see it go to Devontae, AJ, Dallas? Obviously, I'm going to pick the big three. And the big dog's got to eat at the end of the day, especially Devontae rolling into a contract year. Yeah, no, I I agree the big dog's got to come first. I don't think it's maybe necessarily him being used over them, but maybe you see some of like Miles Sanders' carries convert into like and maybe some receptions. Yeah, exactly for DeAndre Swift. But I don't know. It's just something I thought. I was curious on your right. perspective on it. It could definitely happen, and I think another way that it happens, you mentioned maybe taking away some of those carries that went to Miles Sanders and converting them into screens, because really a screen game is an extension of your run game mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but I think the big thing is. The big thing's going to be trying to get the ball out of Hertz's hands and, and kind of cut down on his carries a little bit. Right, right. I mean, yeah. he still led the team in carries last year, and, and that can't happen. You love the you love the ability to, to get out and you know to be elusive and, and things like that. But you know, at the end of the day, your franchise quarterback, the guy you just paid, you know, I don't need him leave it, leading my my team in carries. I don't. So I'm going to tell you this I right now. I love his ability to take off and run. I think if he's under pressure, it's absolutely better than laying down and taking a sack um, or throwing the ball away or, or risking an interception. Um, but I think just to cut out some of the design runs would be huge. I'm going to tell you this right now. I absolutely 100% believe Jalen Hurts leads the team in rushing attempts this year. And not for the fact that I think they're going to use him just as much in the run game or more. I, I think it'd probably be a little bit less, maybe to even. But I'm going to take the approach of they don't have a bell cow back. All the carries are going to be split. I don't trust DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny to stay healthy. I think the carries are going to be split between them. You're going to see Boston Scott and Kanewell 
mixed in. So for that right there, I think he might still be your leader in rush attempts just because I think the carries between the other guys will be spread out. That makes sense. And and there's a world where that can certainly happen. Um, But again, you kind of hope that with this offense that you're going to be leading pretty early and often, and Mm -hmm. you're just going to be running the ball down people's throats again. Yeah, no, I I hear you on that. So we'll, we'll have to see there. You want to uh, talk about linebacker, the namesake of the show? You know what? I got something for you before we go into the linebacker situation. Oh, you got something. All right. Let's, let's hear I it. I do. So good friend of ours, been on the show. Um, if you guys listen to WIP, you know him. Our buddy Justin from down in Tennessee got some big news yesterday. His nephew got drafted in the third round of the MLB draft the other day. Uh, Brady Smith goes in the third round of the draft to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So shout out to Justin and his family. Uh, more importantly, shout out to Brady. Uh, good luck in the league, big fella. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I just wanted to show some love to our friends down south there. Are right, you ready to talk linebackers? I'm always ready. All right, let's do it. So before we dive into it, I think we were best to break this down into two categories because you have our linebackers and then you have our edge rushing linebackers. You have obviously Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick. So, I mean, we, we talked about the D line and we kind of touched on the edge rusher. So I feel pretty good about that. We could talk about that if you want, but I'm more thinking off ball linebackers, the guys playing up, up the middle, they're in coverage. They're doing a little bit of everything that that's, a big thing we haven't really discussed, and that's I, I, I get that 100%. A big issue. The, the reason I want to tie the other guys into it is because I think you're going to see some of them play off ball a little bit more this year. Oh, yeah, you know, we can absolutely bring them up. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd like, like to start to lead with, with that. Oh, you'd like to lead with that. All right, what you got for me? I think it's going to be a big year for Hassan Reddick in pass coverage. In pass coverage, I think you're going to oh, see him. Come I on. think you're going to see him come off the ball a little bit. Oh, I think it's man. a wrinkle that you can add to the defense. I'm not saying he's going to do it every play. I'm not saying he's going to do it 10 plays a game. But I think there'll be five plays a game where he's off ball. He's maybe covering a, a backup tight end or something like that. And I think he's going to break up a few passes and, and, and get involved in All that right. pass game. If you're talking a couple plays a game, I got no problem with it. But right. I'm just saying more than you've seen in his career, He's. I think he's going to be off ball a little bit this year All right. yeah, to yeah. mix in some of these young guys that you got on the defensive line, kind of help that rotation. I, I got no problem with that. I mean, when you, with the way you were leading it in, I thought you were going to say, like, I, I don't know what you were leading with, but like, I was like, no way. This man is your best pass rusher. You want no, him 100%. rushing the pass rusher. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. It might yeah, be five, right. seven plays a game. Yeah. But I think it's going to help get some of these younger guys in the rotation on the defensive line. I think it's going to keep everybody a little bit fresher. And I think ultimately it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great for everybody. And I think it's going to be a good learning opportunity for a guy like Nolan Smith. Yeah, I'm cool with him doing it a couple times a game, once in a while, whatever. Like, add some wrinkles, right? Like, we always bash Jonathan Gannon for how just vanilla his shit was. So it's like, if if they mix it up and he's, you know, they got some stuff where they got, you know, I like when you watch it and you got like seven guys standing on the line of scrimmage and it's like, Who's going to rush? Who's going to drop back? You're doing shit like that. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, mix it up. Have him do it a couple times. But on the key downs, majority of the time, you want him 
going after the quarterback. That's what he gets paid for. There's only one thing worse than a predictable defense in sports, and that's a, and that's a pitcher that tips his pitches. Oh, yeah. You get hurt every fucking time. No, I, I'm with you. So I think add absolutely all the wrinkles that you can within reason. Yeah, like I just I'm so like I hate watching like when you just see like you know plain shit. It's like this is like you're tipping the cap to the offense. Like yo, this is what we're running, and it's like almost like I guess it's kind of like you know this is what I'm running. I'm better than you. Like we'll be able to stop it. But like it's an offensive league, right? Like you gotta mix your shit up, right? Like you gotta disguise coverages, like. And that's truly what I think when it comes from a good defense to an elite defense. When you really start disguising your shit and the quarterbacks are 100%. like, you know, they're guessing. And, and we they, saw it last year. Like, when this when this defense was at its best last year, Gannon was playing some games. Not necessarily running blitzes and, 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 you know, press coverage and stuff like that. But he was doing some things up front. He was messing around a bit, running some stunts. Um you know, edge rushers, uh, you know, coming on the inside, kind of a NASCAR package, things like that. These are all things that you have to do um, if you're going to pressure the quarterback. And, and honestly, if you're just going to be an effective defense overall. Um, but with that being said, let's move into our more traditional linebackers and what we're looking at this year. So we got ESPN's projected depth chart up right now for the linebackers. Let's start with the middle linebacker. They got us projected to run three linebackers with N'Kobe Dean starting in the middle. Who we got here? So it'll be Dean and Morrow off ball. I mean, they're labeling it, you know, it's weak side and strong side in the middle. But Reddick's going to be rushing the guys off the ball. You're going to have Dean and Morrow, then Bradley, Christian Ellis, and Davion Taylor will be the three subs. So t- talk to me about the starting unit. How do you feel about Morrow and Dean? You know, I don't know much about Nicholas Morrow. I don't. So I believe he was an undrafted guy. He was either he's either undrafted and he started with the Bears or the Raiders, and then he went to one of the other two teams, and then he came here. I can't remember if it was Bears Raiders or Raiders Bears, but he's been a starter, a guy that's played uh, a lot of snaps. Think kind of like an Anthony Harris type. Not not not. I'm not talking game. One's a linebacker, one's a safety, but he's kind of like. He's not great. He's not like fucking shitty. He's just like he's kind of there in a way. He's fast. He's a little smaller on the side, just like Dean. But he just he's kind of like okay, if you will. Right. Um. But I mean, Dean Morrow. What are your thoughts on Dean? What kind of years he having? It's tough to tell because it's going to be his first year getting any kind of real action, at least any kind of sustained action. Mm-hmm. But I'd lean towards him having a pretty solid year. Um, the limited action that he got last year, I mean, the one game that you really saw him come in on the defensive side of the ball, he made a difference. Um, you know, if I remember correctly, I think he came out one drive and made three tackles. You know, he's a guy that he's a guy that's able to sniff out plays. He, he's very intelligent. You ask anybody from that Georgia defense, they'll tell you he was the brains of the operation. I think he'll have no problem wearing the headset, making the calls out there. Um I just think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period for him, uh, you know, still getting used to the game and, and and being an every down player at that level. You know, that's something I'd never really thought about. You know, who's going to wear the mic this year? You know, typically, you know, it's a linebacker, but Dean's young. I mean, maybe you have Morrow do it. Maybe you have a safety do it. Edmonds, you know, been a guy that's been in the league for a lot of years. That's something I haven't really thought about. I'll be curious to see where they go with that. Um. 
but you, you said something that was really key to me. You know, this will be his real first playing time. And that's that's my big complaint, right? When they were up so many games last year, I, I just hate that he wasn't sprinkled in to get a little bit of seasoning, right? So I'm I'm gonna pivot here, but we're gonna talk, I'm gonna bring up college football. Penn State's they're starting a, a new quarterback this year. You know, he was a top recruit last year, big arm Drew Aller, right? But James Franklin, what he did was when the games were out of hand that he brought him in when they're up three, four scores, and he got him some reps. So that way next year he's not brand new. Same thing. I'm not saying you got to play him a shit ton. Obviously, you're never up three, four, five scores a lot in professional NFL football. Right. But there's no reason why he couldn't play 15% of the snaps, a couple snaps here, a couple snaps there, just to get his feet wet and to get a better feel right. for it. Even if you gave him a half a series a game. Or put them in, you know, on uh yeah, like like dude, your your linebackers don't gotta be playing 90 plus percent of the snaps, right? Like, dude, they can play 80% and you're still good. Like maybe he you know, he makes messes up play and he lets up a big play, but that way he's he's adjusting a little bit. I feel like it'd be a lot better for him this year. But I as far as what kind of year he's gonna have, I really think it's gonna depend on how the interior of the defensive line plays, right? I, I really love him. I think he's fast. I think he's got good football instincts. You know, all the Georgia players talk really highly of him from when they were all at Georgia. So that really bodes well for me. It's just, you know, he is a little smaller. So I need the interior of the D-line to really get a good push so he doesn't get in too much trouble in the run game. Right. Yeah, ideally ideally your your interior defensive line is going to be able to, you know, to kind of plug up some holes and and kind of just allow Dean to, you know, fill the gaps there. Um, and, and that's really the only knock on him is when he was coming out of the draft was obviously the injury thing, but more than anything else was the size. Yeah. yeah. But that's the modern NFL. That's what it your is. linebackers are today. Today's linebackers were playing corner and safety just 10 years ago. They, they get skinnier and faster and smaller every, every year. Yeah. I mean, guys like James Harrison and, and Ray Lewis are, you know, I don't want to say they're gone, but they're not playing linebacker anymore. They're putting them out on the edge. Yeah, I, I and again, I like that, and I agree. It's you know, if the game's evolving, my biggest thing is that I worry in the postseason. Let's say you're down three, the team's got the ball, you know they're running it up the gut, right? Like I just feel like that's where maybe like you know if he was a little bit bigger, but for an overwhelming majority of the time, I, I think like that's going to be an advantage, right? Like I think he'll be excellent in coverage. Right. Well, and the other thing to remember too is we do have a. a pretty damn good defensive line I, i'd argue that we have an elite defensive line that's going to be playing in front of him which will which will definitely help mask you know any kind of shortcomings that he may or may not have yeah, yeah no i think the eagles defensive line is probably top three if not the best in the league right like they got talent all the way up and down it but i do think again there's some question marks on the interior of the d-line where fletcher cox you know you see it you know he, he doesn't get paid to defend the run anymore you know, he's just a pass rusher <laughs> um it's definitely getting older too yeah and he just doesn't care to stop the run anymore so it's and then jordan hargrave not jordan Javon hargrave hargrave's gone jordan davis man i'm, I'm terrible with names and then uh jalen carter both who i think are tremendously talented but they're young so right and jordan davis obviously with the shoulder injury last year and, and even when he was healthy he didn't play a whole lot of snaps um, you know, and I don't, I don't know that there's going to be guys like Linval Joseph and Ndamukong Su to come out and save, and you know, come out mid year and save you again this year. Mm -hmm. So let me let me ask you about the depth of the middle linebacker, right? Like, 
Sean Bradley coming back from an injury. Uh, Davion Taylor is this the year maybe where he finally you know gets some run? And I mean he's uber talented, right? Like people have always believed that. The problem with Davion Taylor is he hasn't played a whole lot of football. Um, he didn't play high school football because of his religion. There was something where you know the something with his religion he couldn't play Friday nights, um, so he didn't play a whole lot of football. Um, but he's got all the talent in the world. He's got all the physicality that you're looking for. He's he's a guy that profiles well as an NFL linebacker. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to learn the game when you get to the NFL. I mean, you saw it with Jordan Mailata, and he's obviously a major success story. But how many years did we stash him with a phantom injury on IR? You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate to say it, but Davion's running out of time in Philly. And, you know, Sean Bradley, he shows okay when he's on the field. He's a decent special teamer. Um, but he's he's not the guy that you hoped he'd be either. Yeah. Um, granted, late round pick, you're not really expecting much, but I don't I don't think he's even profiling to what you did expect from him. Um, to be honest with you, I think we're one injury at linebacker away from derailing the whole defense. Oof. No, uh Sean Bradley is definitely a deaf linebacker, special teamers backup you know plug and play or whatever but that's the thing like i don't even feel that great about nicholas morrow like i just found out who the guy was 10 minutes ago <laughs> no it, it's it's typical eagles right like they don't prioritize the position and i mean i'd rather much have kazir white i'm not sure where he signed off the top and i don't know what kind of contract he got but the guy signed for five and a half mil last year i feel like you should have been able to get a relatively fair price and signed him to a two or three year deal for a guy that's only in his mid twenties. Right. But again, the Eagles, they just, they don't prioritize the linebacker position. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking though, as, as we sit here, I think, you know, the way that the league's going, I don't really think you're going to see Morrow on the field all that much anyway. I, I think in, I think in, you know, expected run situations, you'll probably see both linebackers out there. Yeah, but I mean, even in the but for the most package. part, I, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna see a lot of a lot of D backs out there. Um, you know, I, I hate to say, I mean, that's that's kind of where the depth's at at this point. Outside of the defensive line, is going to be in the backfield. No, no, I I agree with that, and may, maybe they do, but I mean, typically, still in a nickel down set, you still have two off ball backers, and that would be Morrow and Dean. I mean, they did sign Greedy Williams. I think we both are really high on uh, Ringo. The DB from Georgia. Maybe they do go to a more of a dime package set. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But br bringing back to Davion Taylor, who's uber talented, and you brought up Mylotta and the success story that he is, right? It, but it's the thing that about that is for every success story where, oh, this guy didn't play a lot and now he's a starting left tackle, right? For every success story, there's 10, 20 of them where like the guys that didn't work out for him, right? Correct. Like, And people don't like to talk about that shit, but that's the reality of the situation. Is is there a possibility that we see maybe a signing, right? I don't know who's out there. Um, do you potentially see maybe like a training camp signing where they try to strengthen the depth chart? I think it depends on who gets cut from where. Um, I'll look at current free agents real quick just to get an idea of who's out there. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about who's going to get cut. There's always like, I mean, some surprise cuts, you know, like. I think it was Bobby Wagner two years ago was uh, cut, signed with the Rams, and then went back to the Hawks. Like, right? Like, there, there's always guys who are surprise training camp cuts. 
I mean, I, I don't know, but again, they don't really prioritize the position, never have. I, I don't know where they, they go out with that. And Greedy Williams, too. We like we, I don't know if we've talked about that, about that signing. I don't know what kind of contract he signed, but he, he's a really good player, right? I, I think as a fourth corner, you could do a, a hell of a lot worse. <clears throat> Trying to see who's still out there. No, it might be kind of hard to pull up in the moment. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Because this says Tremaine Edmonds is a free agent, which I don't think he is. No, I think he, no. I think he just signed. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I like I said, I think it all depends on you know who's available. Uh. You know, maybe it's a trade deadline thing. Maybe. Maybe we go out there and see what we get out of the unit and the guys that we have. Um, and maybe you don't see them make a move until the trade deadline. Or maybe you don't see them make a move at all. Or maybe somebody gets hurt in week three and you're desperate. Yeah, that, that's the thing, right? Like, injuries really fucking blow, man. Because, like, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. And it's like one injury. And then it's like, same thing we talked about. It's about wide receiver, man. It's like, you get one injury, you know, God forbid. And it's like, oh, fuck, man, you shit out of luck. Now, here's a here's a little bit of an out-of-the-box idea. Okay, I love out-of-the-box ideas. What you got? What do you think about Kayvon Wallace kind of playing like a hybrid role, almost like you saw Malcolm Jenkins play? Almost more like a linebacker. You see him struggle a lot in coverage against, you know, these more skilled guys. You know, maybe he's a guy if he puts on a little muscle and, you know, maybe maybe works better in the in the middle of a defense. So So two things, right? I feel like he's not as physical as Jenkins was. So I feel like if you're going to really like play more of a box safety or hybrid linebacker, kind of like Lael Collins, not Lael Collins, Landon Collins. God, I'm fucking terrible at names, dude. Kind of like Landon Collins did back when he was on Washington. Dude, he was a physical player, right? I, I don't know if Wallace is that physical. And the other thing is, if he's going to make the transition, he's got to be bulking up now, right? Like, this can't, right. like, if they just, they get injuries and they throw him in there, they, you know, he's got to be bulking up, right? I'd like to see him add 10 to 15 pounds of muscle before he slides in there and plays that. But in a pinch, I think it could work. I, I don't know what kind of conversations they're having behind doors, but I, I like where your head's at. Yeah, I mean, just, just thinking out loud here, because like I said, I mean, he seems to struggle a lot playing against these more skilled guys on, on the outside and, and deep in the safety position. Yeah. What was he out of Clemson, right? Clemson yeah, never turned out second round pick out of Clemson. And, uh, you know, he was unfairly compared to the last secondary, uh, to the last uh, safety that we picked in the second round out of Clemson. <laughs> I mean, the guy was never going to be Brian Dawkins guys. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know so, sometimes that can get tough when you you're, all know uh, better compared to that kind of shit. I'm talking to you. You all know better. Let's not let's not hold these kids to that high of a fucking standard day they're drafted, okay? <coughs> but yeah, you know, just something to think about. But yeah, overall, I think that the depth situation at linebacker kind of scares me. There's not really anybody back there that I feel can step in in the event of an injury. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And if they're if one of the starters were to get injured, I think they'd have to go outside the organization. And that's um, the other problem. You have two starters that are question marks. I mean, I'd say I'd say Morrow more so than Dean, but you still don't know what you're getting with Dean. Like we said, he didn't get all that much play time last year. And um, you know, especially if he's gonna come out wearing the headset and make the calls for the defense. I mean, that's a that's a big role to yeah. fill in your first year at full time action. 
Well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, as I don't think there's any question that Dean's uber talented, right? But sometimes, like, the talent just doesn't pan out, right? Like, it's not always about talent. It's about work ethic and all and everything else. But like I said, I think he's got all that just from what everybody said about him. But sometimes, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. So it's like, if that does, I mean, God forbid. But I would say this, right? If I'm looking, I really want to specify the off-ball linebackers. I don't want to include Reddick and uh, Nolan Smith in the conversation. But when I look at positional groups for the Eagles, there's no doubt to me that that's the biggest question mark for me. Absolutely. Right? Like, that, that's that's definitely the biggest question mark, right? Like, safety, there's some question marks. But, I mean, Edmonds is kind of a proven vet. He's kind of eh, – I, I like what I saw from Blankenship, right? Like, I think Sidney Brown's going to turn the player. So, it's 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 still some question marks there, but it's definitely the center of the defense at the linebacker position is the biggest question mark for me. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is it's a lot harder to mask the linebacker position. Yeah. Especially when there's so few of them on the field. I mean, back in the day when you're when you're running with, you know, with three linebackers, three off-ball linebackers full-time, yeah, yeah you, you can have a guy in there that, you know, maybe isn't the greatest because he's got two guys on either side of him, you know, pro bowler, uh, you know, something like that, just a, a solid linebacker. Yeah, and back then the run game's more prevalent, you know, the game's more played in the box. Now it's more, you know, out to the sidelines and everything's spread out, so. Absolutely. Even the running game is 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 more spread out than it used to be. It's it's a lot of off-tackle stuff, a lot of mm-hmm. zone schemes, um, and, and these guys are shiftier than they've ever been. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and especially, like we said, I mean, with the, with the position getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, I, I think that's a byproduct of the way the system, of the way the league's going. You know, I mean, you see that all the way around where, you know, stuff always adjusts in every sport. And yeah, that's absolutely one of the byproducts of, of the way the game's played now. 100%. You know, I'll t- I tell you who I'd love to see back on the roster. I know it's not going to happen. I know he's out in Denver now, but I'd love to get Alex Singleton back. Mm. He was a solid linebacker. You could give him a spot start. I think he's starting full time out in Denver now. Yeah, actually, I was I was a big fan of his, um, but uh, obviously he moved on. And but I that's that's the kind of guy that you need for this team right now. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no absolutely. It, not uber talented, but he's just a hard worker. Makes the right plays. Yeah, I, I think he was on Denver last time I checked, or at least last year he was. I, dude. The off-season moves I'm terrible with. Then it's like the first week of the season I fired on. I'll be like, "Oh, when did he get here? He's here now." When did that happen? I'll, I'll like first week of the season I'll be googling everybody's names. Like, "Oh, he was a free agent. No, he got traded." Like, I'm just I'm terrible with keeping up with that stuff. Absolutely. But I mean, they they got more picks in the future. And, and another guy we yeah. let walk that hurts is LJ Fort at the linebacker position. I believe he was starting on Baltimore. Baltimore. Yes, stood out in Baltimore too. I think still, he's still with Baltimore. Yeah, I, I believe alongside he is. Patrick Queen. That's a scary linebacker. Well, no, no, no. I think he moved to the bench because they traded for Roquan Smith. But That's I, right. But I think they're unhappy. With, I think there was some kind of rift between Queen and the Ravens, and I think maybe Fort might play again. I'm not 100% sure, but Roquan Smith. I mean, dude, what did they get for him? A third-round pick. Like, he is such a player. Yeah, they, they got him for a steal, but. That's a team that values the linebacker. Yep. They've always had great linebackers. Absolutely. Like to see the Eagles get back to that. 
I mean, it, it's a problem when I tell you that our last Pro Bowl linebacker is now a commentator. Oof. Yeah, I mean, it's not what you want to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually sad. It's sad. I don't know. Just hurts. But you know, like I said, it is what it is. Um, like I said, big big worry, and the fact that you have two question marks starting. Yeah. Is 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 hard, you know. You, you hope you're able to get to the quarterback, and and you know, and your interior guys are able to stuff the run, and nobody gets to that second level. That's what it's going to come down to. But yeah, I, I think we're both kind of in the same boat. I, I think we're both expecting some kind of a in season or, or post training camp uh, trade deadline kind of move. Um, so keep your eyes out and see what the Eagles do at the linebacker position. You got anything else for us tonight, Kyle? Nah, brother. I think we touched everything we wanted to. I think so. Uh, yeah, slow news week this week, guys. Uh, we'll come back with a with a longer show here in a couple of weeks. Training camp, getting ready to get rolling. Um, and I'll let you guys all go and watch the MLB All-Star Game getting ready to kick off here. Shout out Nick Castellanos. I know you heard me in right field last Thursday <laughs> down in Tampa. Uh, shout out Emmanuel Margot. I was the douchebag heckling you. Brought South Philly down south with me. Here we go, baby. All right, we'll catch you guys right back here in two weeks. Same time, same place, 730 at Sunday Birds Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Sundays for the birds. And as always, can't thank you enough for rocking with us live here tonight. Everybody on Facebook and Twitter as well as everybody that's going to listen to this on Spotify. We'll catch you guys right back here in two weeks. E-A-T-L-E-S-E-O!